You are Locked On Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. I'm Anthony Irwin. We are back from our Christmas vacations. Harrison, what was your best gift that you got from Christmas? Um, I'm trying to think. What was the best gift that I got from Christmas? Honestly, you know, I think uh, I, I think it's it's our listeners who have supported us and Good like answer. allow this show to be what it can be and have kind of driven it to the heights that it's gotten to and um like that's been pretty great like we got uh, you know we're on two months in a row where uh like we've made the most from the show that we have like ever in its run and it's just like you know it's not all about the money i enjoy doing this too and i enjoy doing it with you uh but it's just it's uh our listeners you guys have made that all possible and uh, we appreciate you for it that's probably the best gift i got I got a new Keurig that I'm pretty stoked on. Our last one wasn't working very well. And like I had to, I had, you used to like have to just angle it right to the left. It had to be perfectly angled to the left. Otherwise it wouldn't work. So I'm happy that we got a new Keurig. And, and what you said about the listeners is cool too, I guess. Uh, let's, <laughs> today's show, today's show, look, uh, I know there might be some Julius Randle fatigue out there. Uh, I know the Lakers are definitely concerned with his fatigue and hence his low minutes, but <laughs> but the, the there have been some complaints that we have been talking about Julius Randle too much and and in our defense the reason why we have brought him up a couple times now is because it's it's been some new development uh, in that storyline where first it was it was just kind of a quick illusion in a weird Houston game. And then he played eight minutes, right? Or was that Houston game was the eight-minute game? And then he played 15 or so last night against the Minnesota 18. Timberwolves. 18. Oh, he was at 15 at one point in the fourth quarter. That, yeah, he's at, or actually 19, excuse me. Yeah. It, so, But basically, as these new developments have, have, have come up, and as the discourse around the issue, uh, I have a slight issue with it. And Harrison and I... Uh, we're talking about what we're going to talk about and and literally right before i was going to ask harrison what we were going to talk about uh drew ungvari at drew unga on twitter tweeted out a quick snippet about what might be going on with why julius randall isn't starting games uh harrison do you have that snippet in front of you no i do not all right so (laughs) i'll while while you pull that up i'll tell everybody what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk. We're going to contextualize why it's an issue that Julius Randle isn't playing enough. We are going to talk about what might be going on behind the scenes. I am only f- more firmly planted in my stance that I held a little bit ago with a little bit more ammunition at my disposal. 
And then we're just going to see where the conversation goes from there. As always, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone slash Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Bake, Spotify, Alexa, Lakers Nation, and the Lakers Outsiders. Harrison writes at Lakers Nation. I write at Lakers Outsiders. He is at HM Fagan on Twitter. I am Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter. Let's go ahead and get to this, though. Harrison, the the clause or that, that, that brief little snippet that Drew was able to find regarding well, so what might is, be going on. Uh, this is, go ahead. This is from back when Nance first got hurt a while yeah, ago. This was a while. And basically it, it, what Bobby Marks of ESPN reported was that if Randall starts nine games over the course of the season, he, he said it in the context of Nance's absence, but just over the whole course of the season, he uh, has starter criteria for next summer, which means that his qualifying offer – would be 5.6 million instead of 4.9 million. And just for those of you unfamiliar, I don't think that's probably a lot of our listeners, but in case you are, the qualifying offer is the amount of money that the Lakers have to guarantee that they're willing to pay Randall next season if they want to make him a restricted free agent this summer. So they have to commit that much. It's not the same as the cap hold, which is a percentage, which is like a prorated like version of like what his expected salary or extension might be. And so the reason that I don't think that this is like the as big of a deal as you do is that the qualifying offer yes that would save the lakers like about 1.3 million if randall just accepts the qualifying offer and pays it out uh, or plays it out but i don't think that they'd sit him the whole season just to save one point just to piss him off and then save 1.3 million potentially next season if he plays on the qualifying offer if he does not play on the qualifying offer this does not affect his cap hold in any way so it doesn't give the lakers more cap space going into next offseason his cap hold will still be the same as it was no matter no matter how many games it starts he starts so i don't think that this is necessarily a cap space thing but it is interesting to keep in mind i think it's it's a cap spacing so i think idealistically the best case scenario for the lakers is probably that they sign whether it's paul george as the one free agent that they get at least and they are somehow able to keep this young core intact we've had a couple reports out there recently that the lakers aren't going to attach julius randall to or any young star or draft pick to Luol Deng's contract to get rid of it. We have seen that they would prefer to not trade Jordan Clarkson uh, during the season. And if they do trade him and they feel confident that they can trade him, it would take place at the end of the season. So what you're seeing is you're seeing a team at least start to recognize that this is a good enough and exciting enough young core to build with moving forward. And if they can do that while also having their Paul George in the fold, well, then that's that's the best case scenario here. And and look, that million and a half dollars is important when you talk about not just if if it's just one if it's just one free agent that they get, a one superstar that they get, sure, it's it's not nearly as important. But if they're looking to get two and they're looking to open up enough space to be able to sign two superstar free agents, that's when you really have to start pinching pennies. And that's when but you that's what, also like assuming that Randall would play on the qualifying offer, which yeah. all it takes is one team offering him something, and that doesn't matter. Well, and we're, I, I wanted to, to talk about that angle of it, too, because that's that's also worth considering, is whether or not uh, another team out there has space, and if they're, if they're willing to, if they would be willing to use it on Julius Randall. Uh, there's a ton of leathers, layers here. There's 
I, I honestly, this is one of the first times I've ever written out some notes regarding the show and regarding a topic, and because I wanted to make sure we hit. Why would you admit that? Well, because I don't know. <laughs> but this is this is one of the first times that I actually went and did that to make sure I hit all of these angles because this is like it's 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 weird to me that this isn't a bigger deal that that their treatment of this guy isn't a more discussed thing. And I know that I live in a bubble and Twitter is a bubble representative of a universe that I have made for myself <laughs> via people who I follow and people who I don't have muted. All of those good things. I just it, there's just there's a ton of stuff going on here and, and I wanted to make sure that we actually got to all of it. Uh, but before we get to that, when this is releasing, it's going to be draft Wednesday. So if you are listening to this right now and there's still time and Harrison has sent out the link regarding the draft that we're going to be to, uh, taking part of on draft.com and on the draft application, make sure you sign up. It's a bunch of fun. Let's say you got some holiday cash from family or whatever. You could use $25 of it. You could sign up. They'll match your their they'll they'll pay you back or they'll basically pay your entry fee into this draft that Harrison and I hold. If you need to earn money back because maybe you overextended yourself in buying tickets for everybody, this is a great way to do so as well. Uh, it's a it's gonna it's it's post Christmas, so we're starting to really see teams ramp up minutes and fantasy production and all of these good things. Although Tibbs doesn't know how to do anything other than that, but. We are reaching that time of the season where fantasy production is becoming a little bit more uh, foreseeable and predictable and take advantage of that by making Harrison look like a doofus and, and, and me, I guess, sometimes. Too. I only barely came in third in the last one, so I'm just saying. And it was only because Chris Paul sat out like basically the whole second half against the Lakers. So, you know, I, in my mind, like in my Doc Rivers mind, uh, I am still I'm, my starting five is still undefeated <laughs> when healthy. I guess Chris Paul is at least better than Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. See? So you you at least have that going for you. So again, that is draft.com or the draft application. Use the promo code LOLakers. That is, again, draft.com or the draft application. You can just search draft on iTunes or wherever you get your app. It pops up or your, or your applications. You can It pops up easily right there. It's, it's, I like that it's just draft.com. That's, that's, that's about as clean a URL as you're going to find. And then put in the promo code LOLakers to get that deposit or to to get a portion of your deposit back in order to play basically a draft with Harrison and me three for three dollars to play with us real easy you could turn three dollars into a profit of ten dollars without anything on the line yeah that's like so, the best way to gamble that's that's how I like to gamble it was so nice yesterday uh, I had I, the, the scenario was basically I could walk away with Hundred and no, three hundred, five hundred, six hundred fifty, or eight hundred and fifty dollars, and there was I, there was no scenario where I was going to lose money. That that's how I like to gamble because of fantasy football. God bless you, yeah. Todd Gurley. I might have to name my firstborn son Todd Gurley Irwin. Sorry, Jen. So let's go ahead and get back to the Julius Randall situation. Uh, I I wanted so you brought up that this isn't as important because it doesn't really affect his cap hold and all it takes is one team to to send him an offer sheet and for him to accept that offer sheet to screw everything up. Uh, if you were 
and there aren't going to be very many teams. And this is usually the retort that people throw at me when I say it just takes one team. But if you were a team out there, uh, say the Dallas Mavericks come to mind, if you were in charge of the Dallas Mavericks, would you use your cap space to sign Julius Randle? Um, you know, I think that's something that Dallas would have to consider. I think any rebuilding team that wants to get like young talent that can take a shot on a restricted free agent like that would have to consider it for sure. I think part of that will probably depend on what they decide to do, like what they and Dirk decide to do as far as going forward. But I think teams like that, like Dallas, like maybe like a team like the Nets, if they can get any cap space, although I don't think that they have like a very realistic path to getting very much they've taken on so many bad contracts in order to get assets but like teams like maybe chicago or that are just rebuilding and they're looking for guys to take they're looking for lottery tickets basically and the way to get lottery tickets is via the actual draft lottery and tanking and drafting a young player or you can try and sign a restricted free agent and see if they end up living up to maybe a bigger deal that you give them and sometimes that works out and sometimes it doesn't and so for those those types of teams that really don't have like a natural clear path forward without getting a couple guys to pop a little bit unexpectedly and taking some chances. I think sure you take a shot on a guy like Julius Randle because even though his minutes haven't been you know quite what you or a lot of other Lakers fans would like he has shown a lot in that time on the floor and he's been like arguably the Lakers best player and so if they're just willing to let him walk which again we don't know for sure that they're willing to do but it sounds like there's a chance then I think yeah you see that guy's maybe gettable you be a little bit like uh, you be a jerk about the contract and you make it like you add like a bunch of painful clauses if they match and things like that. Maybe you front load it to give them as little cap space as possible in the immediate term. I don't know. Like uh, the, these teams have like especially uh, Brooklyn ha- late lately, although they wouldn't prom- they probably wouldn't be the team offering him this. But teams have shown the ability to be kind of like creatively like jerkish about these contracts and make them hard to match and painful to match. And so I think there's a chance that a team does that. It's like the old saying goes, like it only takes one uh, jerk. Yeah, and <laughs> good censoring, uh, good censorship. I just right don't want to have to go bleep anything. It's a pain. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It only takes one Richard. So, but I would, <laughs> I would say though, <laughs> the other aspect of this that it's 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 a lot more intangible. It's a lot less tangible. It's a lot less provable. But Teams around the NBA don't want the Lakers to regain legitimacy because the Lakers, when they are legitimate and when they're able to, if they have superstars, you know it's going to be tough to to compete against the Lakers when they have superstars because veterans are going to not only want to play with said stars, but they're going to want to play in L.A. They want to play uh, for the Lakers. They want to be able to get that role player bump that tends to occur when the Lakers are good and that's a it's it's, that's something that everybody is cognizant of out there and if you can in any way shape or form make things more difficult for the Lakers to become legitimate again there is a a reason to do so and like you said I, I Dallas came to mind immediately because they do have a power forward and Dirk on his way out uh they they are not very well positioned I don't think draft pick wise beyond this upcoming season. So you got to get whatever young talent that you can possibly get in uh, in there when you can. 
And and, and the other thing too is Mark and Cuban. And hey, we've seen Harrison Barnes, who is on Dallas now, play pretty well as an undersized four next to an undersized five. Like yeah. that's not to say that Dallas would be the Warriors if they signed Randall and they played him with uh, with Barnes. But we've seen like Randall's type of player, and we've seen Barnes be successful in those types of roles. Yeah, and and the other thing too is. If there's an owner who would be vocal about the the taking pleasure in screwing over the Lakers, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's actually an underrated plotline. <laughs> I would I would think it would be Mark Cuban. So there's a ton going on there, and and like you said, it only takes one jerk to mess all of this up and and mess up this grand scheme that the Lakers seem to be putting together. And that kind of brings me back to. This is a new front office that is doing this. And in a lot of ways, they're setting precedent as they go along, right? They set the precedent with the D'Angelo Russell trade and what is what they're willing to pay or what they were willing to at the time pay to get rid of a Timothy Mozgov contract. And I think a, a, a huge reason why they are, they've given up on moving Dang is because that precedent was set. Other teams started asking, well, fine, we'll take Dang if, it, if you're willing to move off of Ingram. If you're willing to move off of Lonzo, uh, based on what what the Knicks were able to get from you, of course that's where we're going to start this negotiation at, right? And so I think that precedent has kind of come back to bite them. And if this is another precedent that they're sending setting here by screwing o- screwing over one of their own guys and doing what they can to to lower the financial profitability that he has over a a not infinite a, a finite period of time that these careers can stretch over well then that's not going to be a great look with other potential players around the league uh Julie, and Julie should be noted yeah. randall's agent who is also the same agent as paul george and 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 look there's a there's a positive spin on this too and we're going to get to that here in a second so you mentioned paul george's agent uh, Aaron Mintz and Julius Randle also happens to work with Mintz as well. And the thinking is, look, if just like with Contavious Caldwell Pope, the Lakers now have access to Rich Paul and that clutch, whatever it is uh, that, that, that LeBron James does his business through. They have access to talking to Rich Paul about whatever. And, oh, hey, if LeBron James just happens to come up and we don't document that we had a conversation about LeBron James, then we're fine. And the same kind of thing might be going on with a back-channel deal here with Aaron Mintz, that they're saying, look, uh, if you help us out here and and convince Randall to, to go to, to set off on this course of action and be yanked around minutes-wise and rotationally and potentially put at least a million and a half dollars on the line uh, in order to take a lower qualifying offer— we promise we will do whatever we can to make Paul George's life and your life by extension as fruitful as possible. Um, and again, we don't know that they're doing that. This is all This is all theoretical. This is all speculative. But if that is the case, I would think that Julius Randle would handle his minutes publicly a little bit more smoothly than he has. Is that a, Would you say that would be a fair counter to that potential potentially positive spin on the situation? Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And if that is the case, then there's a lapse of communication somewhere, right? So this is again, we're 
completely speculating on a on a scenario here where the Lakers don't look like complete Richards, but they could if they if this is the case and there's a lapse in communication that's either between Magic and Luke, Majinka and Luke, it's either between Mintz and Randall, it's between Luke and Randall. Somewhere along the line of communication here, there's an issue taking place. And I don't think we'll really know or find out about that issue it, ever is a is one potential outcome. But I don't think we'll ever learn about what the issue was over the course of this plan that they may or may not have set out on. We won't find out whether or not Randall was pissed about it until it actually works out one way or the other. And it should be noted, Randall does not look very happy. He did not look very happy after the game last night during his post-game press conference. And that's actually, you know, that's kind of par for the course with him. He's a guy who takes losses hard. But, yeah, that, um, that I don't know if you've got a chance to watch his post-game availability, but he mm-hmm. was not looking too thrilled. Well, and he's he's also talked about, I think it was after the Houston game, that was after a win, uh, or no, it was after the Golden State game. Uh, he was they, he was once again part of the reason why the Lakers got back into that game after being down by I think at least twenty points. I think it got upwards of twenty or twenty two. But he helped the Lakers get back into the game. They didn't force overtime, but they definitely made the Warriors work for it. And after the game, I believe it was Bill Orem who fired off the tweet. I don't know who asked the question that led this to uh, led to this quote, but Randall used the phrase "right now." Right, which tells me that he's looking beyond right now. And if he's looking beyond right now, then that doesn't speak too well of the way he looks at this Lakers organization. And now that's just my reading of it. And I am a lot more pessimistic about these things. And I do say, I do tend to side with players over the organization because it's the players who are actually risking their bodies out there. But if Randall is saying, I'm just doing whatever I can when I can for right now, then that's not that's not a great look, man. And if they are, if he isn't on the same page with everybody who may or may not be participating in this grand scheme to get George and Randall uh, and keep both of the guys, both of those guys as Lakers, then that's not the kind of quote that he would give. And that's not the type of tone he would give it in. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, it could be over parsing, but it's also like it's fair to note. Like I like I said, he does not look happy. And that's not the type of thing that somebody says when they're considering their current situation, their permanent one. Now, the other thing, too, uh, a lot of people on on in, in interactions that I have, whether it's on Twitter or email, whatever, uh, take issue with us saying that Julius Randle is the Lakers most impactful player. And this is important context because Harrison's going to rip off some some numbers here, and at the very end of it, he's going to rip off some numbers regarding where he ranks on the team in minutes played, and it's and it's why it's so frustrating and so mind blowing, frankly. Yeah. So the Lakers net rate we we said this stat a couple times, but among like play consistently for the Lakers, Randall has the highest net rating that has since dropped to negative 0.8 amid this like losing skid. But the Lakers are getting outscored by 2.9 points per 100 possessions on the season. So that's still a little bit better than two points that, uh, than like what the team's average is. And then as far as when Randall sits, the Lakers are never worse. They're getting outscored by 4.6 points per 100 possessions. And some of that has been that he's not a starter. And that starting lineup has in general been uh not very good 
But I think it's worth noting that the Lakers, like for the season, continue to be better with Randall on the floor. That he has uh, when they're when he's off the floor, the Lakers play their fourth worst defense of any player, and when he's on it, they play their well. He actually he's like around middle of the pack when he's on in defensive rating. But as far as when he's off, they're like fourth worst as far as uh, when it, of anyone sitting on the bench, they are at their fourth worst with Randall on the bench uh, in terms of defensive rating. And so I think that all that stuff is is important to note when you're looking at his minutes per game, which rank seventh on the team, and his total minutes, which rank uh, where his total minutes. He ranks sixth in, to- in uh, on the team in total minutes yeah, with 713 on the season. And per game, he's getting 22.3, which is really only like 0.3 minutes over Larry Nance Jr., who's getting 22. That that last stat there, that he is somehow tied with Larry Nance Jr., who Almost is tied. R- basically tied, right? It's pretty close mathematically. Not in total minutes, obviously, because man, Nance got hey, hurt. Derek Fisher showed you can do a lot in 0.3. That's four. That's No, that was 0.4. I but, know, but still, it still works. <laughs> but with uh, is that is that your excuse usually with certain situations? Hello. Sorry, you broke up there. I'm. Um... <laughs> but, but if that that Nance and Julius Randall's minutes are even remotely close, considering the impacts in Randall's case, positive in Nance's negative that they are anywhere close to each other in minutes played this year speaks to, again, how obvious an issue this is. And and the the point that I keep on coming back to is this, this issue is too obvious. There is too clearly a fix that, <laughs> that it wouldn't be tough to implement. Uh, for me to just say, oh, it's just how the rotation works. It's just, it's just too bad that you, Randall just seems to be getting the short end of the stick here it's just it's just too there's too many uh issues or or too many factors that seem to be lining up on the lakers either don't see randall as a part of their future or if they do see randall Which, as a par- again very possible considering their free agency dreams uh-huh uh either if they do see randall as a part of their future it's only if a few things go right Right and and a few things that would take a lot to have go right. They would need to line up. The stars would have to line up perfectly for Randall's future to actually be with the Lakers. And so it it just it forces me to ask what the heck is going on. And 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 look, frankly, like I, I understand that your your stance. I you and I will fight about journalism till the cows come home. But it's mind blowing to me. It's it's ridiculous to me that the question hasn't been asked. Look. The numbers at the end of the season are what they are. Magic Johnson keeps talking about the numbers as if they're a certain way. And if they do play out that certain way, that means that Randall could be a cap casualty. Is it possible that Randall's tenuous future with the Lakers is affecting the way that he's being utilized right now? And if they, I mean, we saw the clause here regarding the number of starts that he makes. And nine numbers is really arbitrary. It makes no sense to me at all. But we're also seeing, we, we don't know for sure if there is a minutes clause that, that lines up with this starts clause that would potentially have a similar effect on Randall's qualifying offer or free agent status and what he could be expecting in the offseason. But 
I think it's a 100% fair question to ask at this point, now that we are past Christmas, what the, what's actually going on here? Is, is Randall's status with the team moving forward affecting how he's being utilized? And yet that question hasn't been asked. I, and I, I so, completely understand why those I, – I will voice the opinion of those who are frustrated that this hasn't been asked. I was watching last night's – I'm telling you, my, my in-laws were in my, my living room, and I was cursing at my computer because I'm, I'm listening to after the Lakers lose – the reporters are waxing poetic about Kyle Kuzma's competitive nature and, and oh, were you happy with the effort that you got despite missing starters and blah, blah, blah. And I was waiting for some kind of question regarding Randall's minutes to come up, and it didn't, and it needs to. And frankly, the reporters who are were, who were there and not asking this kind of question aren't doing their job because this is an actual story with the Lakers that isn't getting covered, and it's because they want to remain close with Luke so long as he's in power and it's well, too bad we don't we don't know that for sure but and i also think that i think we kind of have our answer in the way that randall is being used and i think and i'm reasonably sure that luke would say no i mean i, I don't feel like why I, why is that something that he would admit to even if it was true on the record in front of a bunch of cameras and microphones like that that's that's the type of thing where even if it's happening luke's not going to say that like you can ask him, but he's not like they don't shoot him up with, shoot him up with truth serum before he goes up there. But, there, like, but I'm there's not, still I don't want to there's still that. a value in having to address something. This it, it's a terrible look I'm for just, the organization saying, if that I'm is just, what's going on. I'm just saying, like I, I think that if you want your reasons why it hasn't been asked, those are also probably part of it. Fine, and but we've talked about the way players get covered in these in these post-game situations where if you ask Russell Westbrook after he takes a terrible shot, did you honestly think that that shot had a, had a, any chance whatsoever of going into the basket? And to, 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 you, I would not phrase the question like that. Well, no, but, I, but I'm saying like there, there, are, there are questions out there that, that people know the answer to before they ask them, and yet they get asked with players, but they don't with coaches. And we're starting to recognize that there's this different relationship and it's it's becoming pr man like it's 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 the lakers actually hired kevin ding to spin stuff going on with the organization all of boston media works as a pr arm for the boston celtics and and for fans who want anything closely resembling honest coverage of the team so long as this goes on and and not a single tough question gets asked i'm sorry man but the people who aren't getting paid kevin ding has an excuse he's doing his job he is pr with the lakers he isn't he wasn't hired there was no there was there's no belief or ideology that he is anything other than a spin master at this point for the lakers but when he was with bleacher this report and spin he, master is a little strong he, he's a reporter covering the team for the lakers like obviously he's not going to write like negative things about them Harrison, he's writing I, the I worked side, i worked but. in i worked in the exact same position that that kevin ding works in right now but i did so with with police administration i would i would say that that's a little different it's the it's it's pretty damn similar because I will I will wait for the day that Kevin <laughs> Ding writes a negative article about the Lakers or of Kobe. He's not. He's, wor- he's working for. But the that's, team, PR. But I just, I, that's PR. That's PR. That that isn't that isn't that isn't reporting. That isn't the, the phrasing that I took issue with was spin ma- I feel like spin master is a little strong. But that's what he's paid to do. Like that's why journalists have 
careers after their their days as a journalist are over is because they understand how to spin these stuff that's that's one of the things that journalists are really good at i was pretty good at it when i worked for various uh police administrations out there uh, uh, across southern california and that was one of the things i was hired to do and when and when ding was hired by by the lakers that just it was it sounded the the phrasing that they utilized to announce his uh, to announce his employment there, like it was all basically cut and pasted from from the stuff that we would write in press releases regarding my employment or or anybody who I worked with employment at at this place. And and look, it's not nearly as serious, and and it's why I'm no longer there. It's no, it's it's not nearly as serious as police matters. It is just sports at the end of the day. But I wish people would would be a little bit more honest in the way that they cover these teams in the favors that get done or the the angles that aren't covered as favors. Like this is one of them. And and it's going on right in front of everybody. And yet everybody's acting is like, oh, darn, we ran out of time. We weren't able to ask Luke Walton probably the most obvious question that should have been asked. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, like you have your opinions on this, and like I'm not going to change them. So, like, yeah. I, I think that there's like some context there that you're potentially ignoring a little bit. But like, I mean, like you, you clearly feel strongly about this, and um, you know, I, I think that there are reasons that those questions aren't being asked. Like, it, I don't know that I really agree with or disagree with those reasons, but I see them, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that's just kind of where we're at. Do you think it? Do you think a question like that gets asked by the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, people. I well, I don't know. I mean, it's like I said. Like the answer. Like he's not going to say yes, and he, so he's going to say no. And I like. I, I mean, I just wouldn't anticipate a whole lot coming from it. And so I think that like also that's one of those things that like in the context of a post game scrum. I'm not sure is like normally like par for the course to ask, but I mean, again, I don't know, like maybe somebody will ask, like maybe if Rand- if Randall plays eight minutes again, like there's a chance, but uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I-, I can't really speak for other reporters. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, one of the other angles here that I think is, is worth noting. And one of the things that might kind of get old for the Lakers uh, as a locker room is the effect that not playing the team's best player has on not just winning because winning tends to cure a lot of things right like winning winning tends to help in the way that the team is looked at the way that they handle themselves the way the team is covered all of those good things uh winning tends to solve a lot and when randall is playing getting yanked around minutes wise that might have a negative outcome as it regards to the his teammates and the team's outlook as the season goes along right i mean maybe players i don't think evaluate like talent the same way that we do like they aren't sitting here on nba.com like looking at contextual numbers in general and so like they they watch the game but like their sample size is going to be like their way of evaluating it is going to be different than ours so i don't know that they necessarily would consider randall their best player but uh, he he's up there and you know kcp absolutely thinks kcp is the the greatest Laker ever yeah, of all time. But I, 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know that they view him as the best player on the team. And so I don't really know how that affects locker room chemistry. And especially with like a younger team like this, I'm not sure that it's going to be as much of a deal as it would be on like a veteran team. If you were like very clearly sitting like a better player for an inferior player, whereas like I think a lot of these guys are kind of still looking out for themselves and their own careers and establishing it. They aren't going to sit there and be like, oh, man, why isn't Julius playing? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think it's a little I think it's a little different. But I also understand what you're saying. You want to be the type of place and the Lakers have said that they want to be the type of place that rewards the, the rewards working hard, that rewards playing well. That's a meritocracy. And it very they very clearly have not been a meritocracy in terms of talent with in regards to their usage of Randall. But I do think that maybe there is stuff behind the scenes. Like there is like, like Luke has talked about wanting to reward hard work and wanting to reward doing things the right way. And maybe Randall isn't always going about things in the way that Luke would like to see him go about them. And that's not to say that those ways would necessarily be the right ways, but they're the ways that Luke Walton evaluates them as the right ways, if that makes sense. And so if they have a difference of opinion on the way that Randall should be doing some things in practice, maybe he's, you know, like like maybe Luke sees things in practice that he disagrees with, or maybe he sees things out on the court that he disagrees with. But it is kind of clear that for whatever reason, Randall does have a shorter leash than these other guys, at the very least, for the types of things that he gets pulled for and he gets yelled at for, and you can see that on TV. But... You know, I don't. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Well, you you mentioned these guys being more focused on their own personal outlook, especially financially beyond the season. Yeah, and I don't want that to. Be, I I don't mean that in a negative. No, I, I, it's human nature. I I agree. I agree with it. But here's one thing. Here's here's a slight counter to it, or something I would add to that point is that look, as I talked about earlier, if you're a part of a Lakers team that overachieves. And you're a role player, and you play a you you play a legitimate role in that improvement from last year to this year, and and outperforming expectations heading into the season. That's a good way to to get your name out there because of how much the Lakers play on national TV. If the Lakers do press or let alone squeak into a playoff spot, if you're a, a playoff player. For a Laker team, we know that, that that gets people paid a little bit more than they necessarily should. And again, it comes back to and it, this. But I, they have I, to see it that way. I agree. Yeah, I agree that this isn't necessarily how they would see it. Uh, but if the if this if I was a a Laker, and I'm I'm thinking of this again from my own perspective and the biases that I have going into it. But if I was a player and I saw that the that the Lakers are this much better with with uh, Randall off of the or on the court versus when he's off of it and they're this much better when Nance is off of the court versus when he is on it it I I'd, I'd say like hey how many wins might this potentially be worth and would those wins net me a little bit more money a little bit more security as my career uh, moves along I, I don't know if it necessary I, I I frankly don't know either way if it does but I do think success as a Laker gets guys paid and I get a little concerned that the way that the, the Lakers are utilizing Julius Randle might be indirectly however indirectly affecting my potential contract status after my time as a Laker or if I if I if I so choose to stay a remain a Laker after this current contract is up 
I don't know, man. And and there's just there's I, just a, I think that's connecting a lot of dots that they necessarily aren't necessarily thinking that but far do you, but down the line about. Would you hope that an agent would think like that for you? Maybe, but I, I don't like. What's an agent going to do? Tell tell the player, hey, Julius Randle should be playing more. Can you do something? Like you know, it, it's the type of thing that like it's yeah, we think about it from the outside, but I think from the inside, it's not the type of thing that really goes yeah. on. Yeah, I. I I would hope my agent would make because me like all of these guys have been evaluated one way their whole life, and that's on their individual production. And I think generally the mindset, as much as everyone's trained to say, "Oh, it's all about the team," you know, we just want to have team success. The mindset, I think, in general, and this is human nature, is to understand that you're going to be mostly evaluated on your own individual production. And so I kind of doubt that that would be a motivation for a lot of guys to say, like, "Hey, Randall needs to be playing more." Like if they were. If they were winning more, then maybe it's something where, like, a player goes to the coach and says, hey, Randall needs to take some of my minutes, and these are more, like, veterans who are kind of more established and secure in the league. You hear about stuff like that happening on title teams sometimes, but I just wouldn't anticipate that in this type of situation. Yeah, I don't I don't think at any point a player approaches Luke about the rotations, right? Because no, if they if, if they do that and that gets out, well, then now they're now they're kind of a, a diva or, they, or they, they're too vocal with coaches, what have you. Right. Yeah, that that that's not going to happen until LeBron's on the team next year and he's just telling Luke what the rotations are. <laughs> but what I do think might be it's it would be something that look it, we've all been on teams like we've all if there was a player that was significantly better than the guy getting minutes ahead of him, I wouldn't say anything necessarily to the coach because I wasn't that kind of player. I, I was never good enough to to have my thoughts and feelings actually matter with a coach. But it would be something that, like, when that player was going off of the off the court, and the better player was coming onto the court, I'd say to myself, "Oh, thank God! Finally, all right, cool. We're, we're we this is this is when we start playing a little bit better." And that kind of thing just kind of wears on. I wore on me personally, and eventually, kind of wore and tore on the team eventually as well. That like, our, our it, does our coach necessarily know what he's doing? I don't so know. was this whole show just an excuse to verbally subtweet my pickup skills? Just like a forty-minute lead-in to just you cracking on me for being bad at basketball. I mean, if anybody was going to get cracked on or do any kind of cracking, it would be you regarding my Euro stumble, right? That's true. Thank you for bringing that up. That yeah. was actually the goal of this reference. <laughs> uh, I I would say I, I've crossed everything off of my list of things that I wanted to talk about here. I. And it's going to be something. I'm sorry, everybody who might have some fatigue about listening to, to Julius Randall talk. It's. I don't think it will come up. I don't think we'll have three straight shows on it anytime soon, or even back to back shows on it anytime soon. It's going to be something we allude to. But I, I would say this is the last time we have a show completely devoted to this issue because then you're just repeating yourself. You just. That was the biggest jinx I have ever heard. Like, Randall is going to go off tomorrow and play in, like, 15 minutes, and the Lakers are going to get – or tonight, and the Lakers are going to get asked about it, and now you can't talk about it. Now you you just you just recused yourself. No, I said, so, I said this is going to be the last time it, we have a show completely devoted to Julius Randall. Okay, gotcha. All right, important distinction to make. Yeah. So on that note, I will actually not be on the next show. I will be at the Lakers game tonight. So Anthony will have a guest for you. So I'm sure he will pick a very non-Randall topic to rant about with whoever that is. I might be in some trouble here with that promise. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
Anywho, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Lakers podcast. Uh, I pardon my tone. I realized mid mid yell or mid rant that I was yelling at the microphone. So sorry for those of you who are now deaf. Uh, sorry, Harrison, that I basically put you in a predicament. <laughs> where I you that, might I mean, now that against. we're well past that segment. Like I was so uncomfortable <laughs> that entire rant. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> Oh, well, sometimes you have to go beyond comfort for for decent content. So we'll see we'll see what the what the fallout is from this. If Kevin Dang walks up and punches you because he thinks you're Anthony Irwin and and not Harrison Fagan, it's a great story. Yeah, I'll I'll take it. I mean, whatever. I get out of work for the night, so <laughs> I would imagine you'd do pretty well for yourself if Kevin Dang punched you. He's a Laker he'd be a Laker employee punching you on Laker premises. You'd be good to go. Yeah, actually, never mind. I'd have to do a lot of writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have, I Again, thank you uh, to everybody, like Harrison alluded to at the beginning, uh, regarding the gifts that we get. You guys are the, the most important aspect of what we do here. So I hope everybody enjoyed their holiday, whatever it was that they were celebrating. We'll be back at it again. Uh, I'll have a guest lined up. I believe... I have guests lined up for the rest of the week, so Harrison might just have a might have just earned himself a spa day for for the Friday show. We'll see. Harrison, are you excited for the spa? I mean, yeah. 